This morning, you can turn over in your Bibles to John chapter 4. You can watch up on the screen, look in your Bibles, or use your phone or iPad, any kind of device like that if you'd like to. But we're going to be over in John chapter 4, verse 1 today. There was a young lawyer who was setting up his first private practice. He sat in his office, which didn't have a whole lot in it, it had a desk, it had a telephone, it had a bookcase, it was filled with some pretty important looking law books. And, of course, a nice office chair. And he sat there and he's wondering how long it would take until the first customer, first client would walk into the office or give a call or something. And so as he sat there, he saw this uh, uh, kind of a uh, blue-collar worker. And he was walking across the street over to his his, uh, law office. And so he realized he was getting ready for a client to be coming in, and so he wanted to look important. He wanted to look busy. He didn't want to look brand new at it. And so as the man was coming to the door and getting ready to open the door, he picked up his phone and he pretended like he was on a conversation. And he, as the man came in, he sat there and he, he waited for a little while for him to get finished on the phone. And he was having this conversation with this person, and it lasted a couple of minutes. And, and then he hung up, and, and then he turned to him and says, Yes, sir, what could I do for you? He says, I'm here to hook up your phone. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes people have pretended to have a connection and there really is none there. How do we make divine connections? How do we get the connection going? Before we talked about expectations, that if we wanted to change the way we were going, we received something in the meetings that we're at here before, we received something from God, if God ministers to us in some way, how do we keep that thing going? And we use the uh, abbreviation, et cetera, ETC. We need to change our expectations, our thinking, and our conversations. How many of our conversations need to be changed? Some of them? No, all of them. We saw with Abraham until all of his conversations were changed, his life didn't change. Last week we were looking at how we can receive from God and we saw that sometimes we focus our, our, our vision on majesty, on God. And we think it's all going to be up to God. Sometimes we focus on the man that God is using, man or woman, person that God is using. And sometimes we focus on the method. And it makes no difference about the Man or the method, and we can't just sit back and say it's all on God because there's a role that we have to play. There's something that we need to do. So those are the things we looked at in some of the weeks before. But here, we want to take a look at this uh, as far as connections. We want to look at, first off, how we can connect with other people and how we can connect with God. Because I know that we've all talked about, you know, we've invited people out to church. We've invited people to have a life with Jesus. We've invited people to take part of the Word of God the way we enjoy the Word of God. And t- most of the time I'm hearing folk, people are saying, well, we're not having a whole lot of success. Not a whole lot of people are coming along. And some people say they're going to come along and they don't. So what can we do? What can we learn from the Bible? What can we learn from the Word to help us in this area? And so that's what we're going to take a look at. This is the story we've looked at before, but we're going to look at this from the standpoint of how can we make connections with other people. How can I connect with other people to bring them along? Maybe this week you're going to be finding some folks. 
or you have some people in mind that you want to invite out to come out to the meetings and receive a healing or receive something that they need from God? How can you do that? So in John chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, having wearied, been, being wearied from his journey, sat, the, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So he's going through Samaria. Take a look that Jesus was weary. He was on a long journey. Have you ever been wearied? Feel like you're out of the will of God because you're wearied? Like you missed God somehow? We know that Jesus didn't miss God. Jesus was not out of the will of God ever. And yet he came here and what did it say about him? He was weary. In fact, his disciples went into town to get food and he stayed back to rest. I hope there were some trees around there because... uh, If you've ever been in the sun, it's hard to rest in the sun. It's a whole lot easier when there's a little bit of shade. That sun can wear you down. But he was being, he was wearied and they left Jesus alone. Left him by the well. Usually nobody comes to the well at this time of the day, as we've talked about before. Now, you think about it this way. How many of you times, can you think back to the last time you were weary? Tired. Now, if you are weary and you're tired, and you finally get to a point in the day where there is no one else around. All the people that keep making demands on you have gone into town. And you are by yourself. What is the last thing you generally want to see? Another person. Isn't it? If you're tired and another person comes in, what are you thinking? Well, I have to entertain them. I'll have to talk to them. I'll have to do things. You're not really up to that, are you? Because you are. You're here. You're tired. And you can rest a whole lot better when there's no one else around. A lot easier to rest, take a nap when no one else is around. So Jesus is weary. Jesus is by himself. How many of y'all think that Jesus probably faces the same thing we did and just leave me alone for 30 minutes? I know sometimes we say five minutes. We don't mean that. Yeah. Just leave me alone for five minutes. We don't mean that at all. We're talking 60. You know, leave me alone. We, we, we just don't want to say an hour. We just, you know, just leave me alone for five minutes. We're hoping that in five minutes you'll find something else to do and you won't come back. But Jesus goes from this place of being weary, finally being left alone. The disciples aren't asking him any questions. They're off and they're, they all went. They didn't, none of them stayed back. And, and maybe some of them said, Jesus, we'll stay here. We didn't keep you company. No, please. All of you, just go. <laughs> I don't know if that happened, but I could picture it happening. All of you, just go on ahead. I'll be fine here. Just leave me alone for a little while. Maybe he even said that. Just give me five minutes. Don't know, but there he is. And then this woman comes along. And, and Jesus says something to her. So, just to understand, Jesus is probably not in the, uh, the point of the day where he really wants to look for a place to minister to someone. He's tired. He's finally sat down. He's getting some rest. Verse 7. 
A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it did you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God who was, who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now here's the first thing you've got to do, and there's an order to this. And sometimes we get out of the order, and we put things where they don't belong, and we wonder why we're not getting a whole lot of interest when we invite people out to a meeting, when we invite people to hear about the Word of God, whatever it might be. The first thing that Jesus does with the person there is he interacts with them. We need to learn how to interact better. Just interact with people. And not in a confrontational way, just, just interact with people. Just enjoy. It's, you'd be surprised at how willing people are to interact with you if you just did it in a joyful, glad type of a way. Sometimes we're always thinking, well, no one wants to hear from me. I'm no good. They probably want to be by themselves. They don't need me to, to be bothering with them. I love opportunities. When, we're, when I'm in the store or we're out doing something, I just love opportunities to find people out there and just strike up conversations. I'm not the most... I love being by myself and, and, uh, and quiet. I absolutely love it. My mom used to tell me when I was growing up, that Steve, you could be in a room by yourself and be happy as can be. And I, I can be. I, I've also learned, it took me a little while, but I learned how to also enjoy people. I didn't grow up learning how to enjoy people. I enjoy being by myself, but I eventually learned how to enjoy people. And now I can enjoy people. Well, I can enjoy a lot of people. I can enjoy a few people. I can enjoy no people. I found that whatever state I'm in, I can be happy. We got people at the house, glory to God. If we got nobody at the house, it's okay. We're going to find something to do. But you've got to find a way when you're not necessarily in the mood to interact, to interact. You've got to put yourself out there. And there's some, some fun ways to do it. You don't always have to, don't make it a point of, of, of contest. I've told you before, I've had interaction with giant fans. New York giant fans that were pleasant. I've had interaction with Dallas Cowboy fans that were fun. I mean, they enjoyed it. I know they did. I've had, a, I've had, I could probably, I haven't done this one yet, but I could probably have interaction with a New England Patriots fan. That would be a little tougher, but I could do it. I could find a way to, to, uh, to, to get in. You just, you just find some things that you can have some fun with. And, you, and you, you just don't be confrontational. You don't have to always talk about confrontational things. You can talk about some, some things that are fun. And even if you don't know them. Does Jesus know this woman at the well? We don't know her name. He doesn't know her. He's striking up a conversation with someone he doesn't know who probably doesn't want to interact with him and has, there are some racial prejudices between the two. At least perceived. I don't think Jesus had any, but there was perceived to be some racial prejudices that were there. And he still had some interaction. He just said to her, give me a drink. Now, that would not seem always to us to be a great opening line to have, have some interaction. But what he asks her to do doesn't cost her anything. 
It's not like he said, feed my camels, water my camels or anything like that, where it would involve a whole lot of trips to the well. He just said a drink. It's just a little cup. You're going to go down there with the, the, the bucket. You're going to come on. He just asked for a little tiny bit. You know, just give me a little, little, little sip out of there. And um, that's all. It was not anything that was hard, nothing that was difficult to do. You know, sometimes one of the ways that you can interact with people is to ask them for help. Boy, it got quiet. <laughs> we don't always like to ask for help, do we? Sometimes just ask somebody for help. You're over at the Lowe's picking up some stuff and it's just a little bit too big. Now, most times us guys, you know what we say? I can get it. I can get it. And we want to go out there and to, and to do that. Sometimes, though, with the, when I'm coming out of Lowe's and every, every store that I've gone into, ever gone into, I always interact with the employees. Always. I just made it a point to. I just always interact. If I walk into Lowe's right now, I know most of the people in the end. I only pretty much go in the one end. But I know all the employees in that end. They know me well enough that if a new employee comes in, they actually go out of their way to make sure that they introduce me to the new employee. And whenever I walk in, I find them walking around the, the, the store. You know, we, we uh, shake hands. We, we interact. We have some. And sometimes, you know, when we're first getting to know them, sir, would you like some help with that? Absolutely. Because when they come on out to help me, guess what we're doing? We're interacting. We interact together. We, we have some, some things. Now, now, Lowe's, where I go, they used to have this guy. He was great. His name was Tom. And he was, he was wonderful. He was actually fun to come out. I, I, whether I needed help or not, yeah, send Tom out here. I, I want to interact with Tom. And so Tom would come out and we would interact. Then they replaced Tom with somebody else. I did not enjoy interacting with this person. I tried. I went after it a few times and went to interact with them. And this, this person was just hard as anything. And there's just no desire on his part to interact or to do anything. And one time, um, uh, they know when I come in there, I usually come in for a lot of stuff. And they, they knew what I came in there for. And, and so some of the guys that were back there, we were in the saw. We were cutting all this stuff up. And this guy was over there, but he was getting off in a, a little while. And um, as we were going out there, they said, do you need any help? putting all this in. I said, sure, yeah, if you got somebody, I'll, I'll take some help on out there. And, and I think uh, one of the guys out there, Steve, he came on out and gave me a hand with it. And Steve came up to me and he says, I told so-and-so that you were here and that you would need help. And he says, that's too bad. I'm going on lunch. And he's off. I said, that's okay. I enjoy you better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he just smiled and we went on and we, uh, we did our stuff. But just interact. With, you're, you were going to run it. I don't know what that guy's name is. I, to this day, I don't know his name. I haven't really had any inspiration to really learn his name. And uh, I generally, uh, if he's the only one to come on out, I've tried a number of times. He just, we're, we're not making any progress. So you know what you do when you have someone that you cannot interact with? Move on. Just move on. Don't keep frustrating yourself. Stop trying to interact with people who don't want to interact back. If they don't want to interact with you, if they want to shut you up, what does Jesus say? If they don't receive you, do what? You don't have to quite shake the dust off your feet and make this big thing out. Just, just you know what? I'm going to go over here. Because <laughs> there's a whole lot of other people who will enjoy interacting with you, going over and interact with them. And just, uh, just move on. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to interact with some people. Look for opportunities. If you're checking out in the grocery line, talk with the people. How are you doing today? I always have a habit that whenever they have a name tag, I look at their name tag, and from that point on, I address them by their name. 
Hey, Jim, how you doing? I got a guy at the grocery store. His name is Jim. I always, always, always talk to him by his name. I don't need to look at his name tag anymore. I know who he is. And, uh, and, and some of the employees that are at these, these places, they make it a note when you scan your card. They make it a note to find out what your name is. Thank you, Mr. Hecht. Appreciate you coming in today. <laughs> I appreciate them doing it, but I'm going to address them by their name. We're going to talk to them. We're going to have a conversation. And, uh, but begin to interact with them. And this is what Jesus does. He begins to interact. He, this is how you can do it sometimes to break the ice because you can't always say, hey, where are you from? Yeah, why do you want to know? <laughs> he just simply says, can you get me a drink? This starts the interaction. Sometimes a way that you can have interaction with someone is simply ask for help. On something easy, something that doesn't, isn't going to cost them any money, Something they can easily provide, just ask them for help. This is what Jesus does. Take from, from Jesus' in, uh, interaction here and learn from him. I put this in your outline. You have to talk to people you don't know in order for them to become people you do know. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple, but isn't that true? You have to talk to people you don't know in order for them to become people that you do know. And, um, you know, it's... It, it, it is amazing. You know, just going over the lows, there's a couple of guys that are in there. Uh, one guy, um, he's not there anymore. He, he left and went to another place. But I had always made it a point to interact with him. And uh, one time he was really going through a thing. I think his father had just passed away and some other tragedy had happened to the family. And so right there in the aisle of lows, he almost broke down into tears telling me all the things he was going through. It wouldn't have happened if we didn't have some interaction before. Have some interaction with people. It may not go anywhere today, but it may go somewhere tomorrow. It may go somewhere the next day. It may go somewhere down the road. But the first thing you need to do is to interact. We go out, we go out in a group run every uh, Tuesday night, and there's about 50 people who file in to go running. And uh, I'm working my way around to, to learn more of them, uh, but I don't know them all. And I didn't know any of them when we first got there. And the only way that you get to know them is you just have to walk up and have a conversation with them. The problem would come in is sometimes I forget their names. I know I just talked to him uh, last week, but I don't remember his name. So you know what you do? I just walk up to him. I'm sorry. I forgot your name. He says, that's all right. I forgot yours too. So (laughs) we, we, uh, we did that. This past Thursday, I actually went on a Thursday night. Thursday night. I don't usually go on Thursday, but I went this Thursday. And um, there was only about a dozen, there were not many people there on Thursday. And there was this other guy that was there, and I've run with him before. And so we uh, teamed up, said, oh, let's run again. This will be good. And so we're actually running, and we're about a half mile in the, into the run. And it didn't even dawn on me that I didn't remember his name. We just were having conversation and talking. And all of a sudden, he turns to me as we're running on down the road. He says, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. I said, I did too. I forgot your name. He said, I'm George. I'm, I'm Steve. And we went on from there, and, and uh, we had very pleasant conversations throughout the whole thing. But um, I, you know, if you forget somebody's name, just ask them. Probably they forgot yours too. Just ask them. Don't worry about it. Don't get all nervous. and they, They'll be glad that you're actually interested in what their name is. And just begin to talk to them about it. And so we, the more that we're, we're talking with people, the more I, folks I get to know. And it's, it's, it's good, but you have to have, have that interaction. Got to have some interaction. What's going on with the, the people there? So Jesus does it by asking somebody for help. 
put in your outline, initial interactions can be based on simple or urgent help. I mean, if you have a, a problem that's, that's urgent, you, you're just looking for somebody who's around. And people will jump to help someone when it is urgent or when it is simple. If you say, hey, I never met you before, I don't know you, but can you help me move? <laughs> no, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> They're not going to do it. That's not urgent and it's not simple. But you can find some things that are just simple or urgent and you will find strangers that will, that will help you out. And, and that's a great place to, to start off some interaction. Now, you can also look for, for being able to, to help. Find some people who need some help and go offer. Brother Doug Jones put up on Facebook one time, because I think he had offered help that somebody at Lowe's. And he says, why is it that men have such a hard time receiving help? Because I guess he had offered it to somebody. And I put up there and says, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. He says, uh, I've, I've done it before in, in Lowe's. You see some guy, he's, he's getting a big sheet of plywood out from the cart and he's trying to put it into his little minivan. And I know that's a difficult fit. I know it will fit, but it's a difficult fit. And I come on over to a few of them. You want to hammer that? No, no. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So I make sure that whenever someone comes over, whether they're an employee or not, if I'm doing something and they want to come over and help, yeah, come on over here. Let's go. Let's, uh, let's take this on. And then we have interaction and we talk. Look for opportunities to interact with people. Folks, you don't know if God hasn't brought them over to you for some reason. And if you just let them go on by and don't ever interact with them, you won't have an opportunity. If you're praying, God send me opportunity, God send me uh, places where I can minister to people, and you keep sending them along your path and you keep not interacting with them. That's not good. Start interacting with them. That's the first step. See, the first step is not go out there and invite them out to the meeting. That's not the first step. If you go up to somebody and say, hey, come on out to some meetings. Who are you and why would I come? Right? You got to first off start some interaction. Get some things uh, built up there. Where do we leave off at? We didn't finish all the way. Verse 10 again. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to her, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Hmm. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Here's the second thing. Once you build up an interaction with people out there on the road, here's the thing that you've got to step to next. This is what Jesus does. You need to impart. You need to look for an opportunity to share or give something of yourself. You need to impart something. Look for something to impart. Did God bring you to this place? If God brought you to this place then God is saying, you have something I want you to impart to them. You have something that I want you to impart to them. But I don't know what it is. That's all right. Interact with them. Interact with them some. Find out what it is. That through the conversation, you will find out what it is that God wants you to impart to them. Have that conversation. Build that thing up. So Jesus has this conversation and it all centers on water. 
So he takes the open door. You know what? If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water. You would think the the obvious question that she should be asking is, what is living water? Wouldn't that be easier for Jesus? Instead, she goes, well, how are you going to get that? You can't get down into the well. Let me tell you what. You may interact with some people that are complete idiots. Not that she was an idiot, but you may interact with some people that are complete idiots and God will help you get them. God will help you reach them. There is something that you can impart even to total idiots. You can find... God, God will give you... Thank you for that. There we go. <laughs> That's right. We all know idiots and they all need help. And, and thank God we were an idiot one time too. And God came along and helped us out. So you need to help some people. There are some, uh, some uh, full-blown idiots out there and they will come back with questions like this instead of the obvious... I mean, isn't that the obvious question? What is living water? If somebody says to me, you could ask me for living water, I would think, what? What, what is living? I, I'd never heard of living water. I thought water is just water. Is there water that's alive? Is there water that's dead? But she doesn't ask that. She's focused on how is he going to get it? It's all right. Jesus is uh, okay with it. He's, he's going to help her out here. So in part, share or give something of yourself. It may be something that you have. It doesn't always have to be money. It doesn't always have to be the $50 bill that's in your pocket. It doesn't always have to be the coat that you're wearing. It can be, something, it can be a knowledge that you have. It can be an understanding. It can be an opportunity to pray for them. There's all kinds of things that can come out that you can do for them. There are things you can do for them. There are things that you can impart to them. You have things, you know things in the Word. You have the ability to pray. You have the ability to, to do things. God can speak through you. God can witness to you. God can tell you things. You have stuff to give. Here's the thing, though. You've got to believe that you have it. You've got to believe that you have something to give. Peter and John up at the gate, beautiful. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You can only give. We've gone over this before. You can only give what you have. Unless you're the government. They give what everyone else has. But you can only give what you have. You got something. You got to believe that you have it. You got to believe that what you have is good. You know, most people don't believe that what they have is any good at all. And that's why they never impart it to anybody. I don't believe that what I have will benefit. Surely they need something better than what I have. And we talk ourselves out of it. When I was in sales, of course we all are still in sales, but when I was in, I was in all kinds of sales, I sold insurance, I sold cars, I sold horseradish, I sold all kinds of different, I sold suits. I sold all kinds of things. And when you are selling something, what I learned was that you have to believe that people want and or need the product that you have. If you don't believe the product that you have is any good, you cannot sell it. Because it will come across in what you do. If you don't believe that what you have is the best, that it will benefit the people that are there, you're not going to do that good. When I sold cards, I sold Fords. Why? Because I believe Fords were the best. So that's the best one I'm going to sell. 
other people who believe that BMW is the best. They're going to do better selling a BMW than they are a Ford. You've got to believe that what you have is the best. When I sold for Kelsner's horseradish, I believed that Kelsner's horseradish made the best horseradish in the world. I didn't even like horseradish when I took the job. I like it now. I didn't even like it then. But I believed it was the best. And I believed that our service was the best. And because of it, I could sell. Here's the hang-up I had with sales. I could sell anything to anybody if I didn't benefit from it directly. The moment I got into sales that was on a, on a uh, compensation-based, you know, if you sell more, you, you get more, I had the hardest time selling it. Because now, suddenly, me selling it to you meant I benefited. And that was hard for me to get, a, get around. How can I say that I believe this is the best when the only way I can get money, make money, is for you to buy the one that I have? It changed the way. I had a hard time selling it that way. But you get me to when I was selling horse riders, there was no, um, no, I forget what they called it, but no compensation for it, no, no commission. That's the word on thank you. No commission for it. I could sell the lights out. I could sell anybody. But as soon as I was the one who was benefiting from it, then we had a, I had an issue. But you see, when you're selling the gospel, they're the one who's benefiting, not you. So you shouldn't have that hang up. You shouldn't have that problem. But you've got to get out there and you've got you to believe in what you have. Now, so, sometimes you've you got to think of it this way. How many folks have gone out there and invited people to come on out to church, invited people to come on out to the meetings, invited people over to see Jesus, invited people to read the Word? If we don't believe that what we are inviting them to is important, is good, we, it'll come across. It always comes across. You have to believe that what you are selling is the best. If you believe, well, you know, God is a way, but there's all kinds of ways, you'll never get even saved. You'll have a real hard time doing that because you don't believe that God is the best way. I've heard people say, well, you know, we like to invite people out to church, but, you know, they'd have to come so far. Well, how far do you come? Is there a reason for why you do that? You think no one else will do that? If you don't believe that there's a benefit, you have a hard time selling it to people. You've got to believe it. You're looking at the meetings with Jay and Tammy coming up. If you believe that people can receive a miracle in those meetings, you have an easier time telling them and bringing them out. If you don't, well, it may not happen for them, but I'm going to invite them anyway. It'll, it comes across. I don't know how it does, but I know it does. In this sales area, it will come across. Your confidence is huge. When I first started selling, I think I told you the story of this, but when I first started selling horseradish, the first year I had, I was working with them. I didn't do all that well in sales. And the second year, I did better. And I started to get better at the, the sales, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't setting the world on fire. Then I started to, to do better, and I started to gain confidence in the thing that I was doing and, and doing better. And then when I left the company for a while, and I went out and I sold insurance, and I sold cars, and I found out what sales was really like and how hard sales was and how to overcome some things. I came on back. I was a much better salesman. And uh, we just took the world. At that point, I could sell anybody anything. I was a different person. Same product, but it was me who changed. We need to change ourselves. I need to become convinced that God's way is the best way if I'm going to sell that to anyone else. That's what we need to come into. I've got to impart 
something. I've got to take something that I have. God has given me some things. What can I take of all the things that I've got? What do I have that I can impart? It doesn't have to be money. You don't have to give money to everybody. But God has something for you to impart. Put in your outline this. You need to sow something. You need to sow something into, that peop- into those people, into that person. Sow something into them. What can you sow into them? Again, it doesn't have to be money. But what do I have that I can impart to them that I can sow into them? I can do something. Here's the third thing. And you'll see this in the, in the story that we just read. Here's the third thing. Interest. Interact, impart, and interest. Folks, you've got to get people interested. You can't sell them on something that they don't want it. You can't sell them on something if they're not interested. So Jesus, what does he do? He gets her interested. We're on this conversation with water. I'm going to get her interested in water. If you learn how to get this water, if you take this water that I have, you'll never have to, to drink water again. The water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Oh, this is good. I don't like coming to this well all the time, having to draw this stuff out. This would be great. Now, she had a wrong application of it. But he got, did he get her interested? He got her interested. You got to get some people interested. There's a lot of people who are Christians who think they are uninteresting. I'm not an interesting person. No one likes me. No one's interested in me. If you are interested in you, you'll be a whole lot easier to sell that you're an interesting person to other people. If you keep telling yourself, I'm not interesting, no one likes me, no one pays any attention to me, guess what? No one will like you, no one will pay any attention to you, because you can have the things that you say, even when you say negative things. What you ought to do is wake up in the morning and say, I am the most interesting person alive. People are going to want to know about me. People are going to want some of the stuff that I have. I have got some things, and today people are going to come along my path who want some things that I have. And Father God, I'm going to sow it into them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to impart what I have to them. That will just change the way you, you start out. Change the way you look at the day. You ought to start that off. Instead of the starting out, oh, here's another day. It's Monday. Got to go to work. Don't like work. Don't like the people at work. They don't like me. It's boring. Now you're starting your day wrong. Start your day and start thanking God. Father God, I thank you that today I will meet new people. New people that I'm interested in them and they are interested in me. I'm going to meet some new people that I can impart some of the things you have given to me. I'm going to find some people and I can interest them in the things of God. If they already are a Christian, I'm going to interest them in how to get into to know God more. If they aren't a Christian, I'm going to show them how to meet God. You just start telling yourself these things and you start looking for the opportunity. You start looking for it. And you can find it. How many of you all know this? And you should be able to do this. How many of you can tell another Christian just after a short conversation and sometimes even just looking across the room? Oh, that person's born again. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not confident enough to, to, to walk in it, are you? Would you go out to that person and say, hey, are you a Christian? Why, yes, I am. How did you know? Oh, I can just tell. You just have this glow about you. You just got this. uh, Go ahead and act on it. Don't just know it. Go ahead and act on it. And you can also tell. How many of y'all can tell some people that are not saved? Uh, uh, You can go up to them and say, you know what? 
I've been, I've been watching you over there, and I can tell. You don't know God, do you? I couldn't say that to someone. Why not? Why not? If God shows you the saved from the unsaved, why shouldn't you acknowledge it? Why shouldn't you go up to him and say, you don't know God, do you? You could be so bold as if you think this, get your mind on this. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who know God and those who want to. That's how you ought to think about people. Only two kinds of people. Those who already know God and those who want to. You find those people who already know God, encourage them in their walk. If you find those people who don't know God yet, I'm here to introduce you to them. What if you have a conversation like this with somebody? You walk up to them and say, you don't know God, do you? No, I don't believe in God. I knew that. I knew I could tell just by looking at you. And God sent me over here because he wants me to talk to you about God. He loves you. And he, he, wants, he wanted me to minister to you and help you. Would you receive that? You just have a conversation. You, I can't do that. What's Jesus doing? What's Jesus doing? Meeting a total stranger, determining where they are in their walk, and talking to them about being born again. How'd that go for Jesus? It worked pretty good, didn't it? You want to you follow Jesus' example? <laughs> That's what you ought to do. When, see, you are a born-again Christian. You have an easier time finding people. People are unsaved. They can't tell Christians from non-Christians. But you're a born-again person. You can, I'm a runner. I can generally pick a runner out of a crowd. There's just something about them. There's something different about a runner. And I can generally pick them out of the crowd. And, uh, and we can strike up a conversation on, on some, I just call it, sometimes I've just done it. You're a runner, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, how'd you know that? Well, most of them don't ask you that because they already know. But anyway, you can just strike up a conversation. What if you did that? What if you acted on what's going on in your spirit? What if you got something in your spirit and you said, that person over there is not born again? What if you acted on it, went over and started talking to them? What are you sharpening? Well, first off, you're sharpening this, that when God showed you something, you'll act on it. When God revealed something to you, you went over there and did it. And God said, hey, wow, did you, did you see what they did? We can count on this person. We can count on this person to step into this situation. And when they see that someone does not know God, get in there and introduce them. You think that will get the attention of God? <laughs> it sure will. Because what does God say gets, his, gets all of heaven into a place of rejoicing? When one who is lost comes to him. Keep your eye out for it. I mean, look, it's a total stranger. If they say, man, you are strange and get away from me. Okay? I'll tell you what, though. If you want to know about God and you see me again, happy to tell you about it. What would it do for you and what would it do for them if you walked up to somebody, they don't know God, and you picked up in your spirit, they do not know God, and you went up to them and says, my attention has been drawn over to you, and I keep getting this in my spirit, you don't know God. Do you want to know God? And what if they just broke down into tears and said, oh, I've been wanting to know God. I don't know how to get in touch with God. I need God. My life has just fallen apart. What if they did that? What would that do for you? You think they would be the only person ministered to? No, you'd be ministered to too, wouldn't you? You'd go home rejoicing. Father God, I got used today. Oh, man, that was great. That's fun. I got to do that more too. So we'll, we'll all work on that. But find an area of interest. Find something 
that is common in interest. There's, there's things you can do. If you see a guy, I was sitting in a, in a car place, I think, uh, some time ago, uh, sitting in a car place. Guy was wearing a Dallas Cowboy t-shirt or sweatshirt. So you know what I did? I talked to him about the Dallas Cowboy game that happened yesterday. This was last season, two seasons ago. I don't know. It was a while ago. I happen to know what happened in the Dallas Cowboys. I don't, use, I don't usually care. As long as they lose, I'm happy. But this particular time, I knew how and what they did, and I think they actually won. And I was, that was sad, but I was able to talk to him, and we had a conversation, and, and we talked about the game, and he was kind of tickled that anybody in Philadelphia would actually talk to him about Dallas Cowboys winning. We had a, had a conversation about that, and we struck up an You can strike up interesting conversations with people, but don't make them come over to your area of interest. Go over to theirs. This is what Jesus did. He got an area of interest. Now, this may take minutes as to do with Jesus. It took Jesus minutes to get to a place where she was now interested. The better we get at this, the shorter time it'll be. Sometimes it may take days or weeks. But you'll get better. You can get better. And you can get to a place where it doesn't take all that much time. You can get there and, and you can expect to get there within minutes. You can get to, to a place and, and get them interested. I put in your outline, it depends on how good you are at discovering and how willing they are at sharing. <laughs> we can get better at it. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband in that you spoke truly. Here's the fourth stage and here's the problem most of us have is we get to this fourth stage too quick. If you get to the fourth stage before you get them interested, you'll probably get rejected. Here's the fourth one. Invite. Invite them. See, a lot of times we want to go right from interaction to invitation. You're not going to get there. No. You've got you to begin to have a conversation. You've got to get them interested. You've got to put something into them. You've got to impart some things. You've got to invest some things. Put some, take something from you and give it to them. Find that opportunity to do that. God will show you that opportunity. He did it with, in this situation. He'll do it for you. Develop an interest. And then extend the invitation. Tell you what. We're going to have a meeting here. Go get your husband. Come on back. We're going to set up shop. We're going to have a meeting. Then we're going to go over some of these things. I'll tell you how to have living water. I don't have a husband. He said that's right. Now see, this is even better when you can do this with the help of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God starts telling you some things about it. But until you get started, it probably doesn't happen. You've got to start interacting with the people. And then God can begin to show you some things. If God shows you stuff about someone, make sure you never share it in such a way as to cause them humiliation. Our God does not humiliate, embarrass. That is not what he's about. He never does. He says this to the woman. She's by herself. There's no one to humiliate or embarrass her with. But if God shows you something and there's a crowd of people, you make sure. All right. Well, God, you showed me that. That's just for me to know. I don't, I don't need to blurt that out right here. Because that's, that's God's MO. God will not humiliate or embarrass. If you hear somebody give a word and it humiliates or embarrasses the person, that's, that's not God. That's not how he works not what he does. So invite them out to the meeting. Invite them out to hear the word. Invite them to listen to a tape or a service. 
In the end, here's where you want to get to. Ultimately, you want to bring them to Jesus. You want to invite them to have a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes you're well enough versed in this that you can just sit down right there with the person, invite them over to Jesus and lead them in a prayer of salvation. If you're not there yet, invite them out to a meeting. But have the goal, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the place where I feel comfortable doing this. Anybody know what the prayer of salvation is? There is none. So whatever you lead them in as far as the prayer of salvation is going to be just fine. There's, you, won't, you won't find it in the Word of God. The Word of God tells you what to pray. It doesn't tell you how to pray it. Just get them to turn their life over to Jesus. Get them to acknowledge that He's Lord. That's all you need to do. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now understand, once you start getting personal with people, they will try to distract. They will try to deflect. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where, uh, where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we, wor- we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, that may be a hard statement for some folks to hear because she is bringing this thing up. All right, there's you and there's us. And he says, All right, but you, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. For salvation is of the Jews. It comes through Abraham. It comes through the blessing. It comes through his, his line in Jesus. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He doesn't say that to most people in the, in the, the Jews. He's just met this woman. He's having an interaction with her. And, and apparently he has the green light to go ahead and say, no, go ahead and tell her who you are. I'm the Messiah. But she declared at first, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one dared ask him. <laughs> no one said to him, why do you seek? Or what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? No one asked her anything. No one asked him anything. They just watched this thing. I don't know about this. Jesus is talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. I don't know why he's doing it. They talk to each other. They don't talk to him. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, if she left her water pot, she must be intending to come back. But she also must have wanted to get back with haste because you can get back a whole lot faster when you're not carrying a water pot than when you are. So she decided to get back there quick. Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, what is she doing? She's inviting. She's inviting, but apparently she already has some uh, knowledge with these, these, these people. There's some, there's some interest there. There's, uh, they know each other. And she came on out and said, Come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out. So somehow she got them interested. She knew what to say. We, look, we listened to what she said. We thought, I'm not interested. Why would that interest anybody? But apparently she knew what to say to get these people interested. And they were interested. And they came. Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Folks, you have no idea how satisfying it is to interact with unsaved people and bring them to a place of, of knowledge of God. Oh, it's phenomenally fulfilling. 
Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said, Then my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, invite or lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. For he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. He sent them into the city. Did they come back with anyone? They came back with no one. She went into the city, and she brought them all back. How many times, folks, have we as mature Christians gone into places and come back with no one? And someone who doesn't even know God has success. See, sometimes we look at this thing and say, well, I need to get out there and I need to plow the field and I need to put the seeds in and I need to water and I need to do all the work and I haven't done enough yet and once I get it all done. No, he's saying you're going to go out in the fields and it's already been done. All you need to do is go out there and reap it. Father God, there's some, there's some fields out here to reap. Yes, sir. So what should I pray? Father God, send me to some of those fields that are ready for harvest. And when I go in, I have to have my eyes open because the disciples walked into a field that was ready for harvest and came out with nothing. The woman went into that field and came out with the whole crowd. He said, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He said, he told me all that I ever did. That's all she needed to say, and they got them interested. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. They were just going to pass through, get something to eat, and head on into Galilee. And instead, revival broke out. He stays there for two days and teaches them. And many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. A lot has been said about this woman. And now that she has five husbands, you know, the one she's living with now, so her reputation may not be all that good. I'll tell you what, though. If she can walk into a city, give them one sentence, and bring out the whole city, we have underestimated this woman. She apparently has a little bit better reputation in that city than what many are led to believe. Here's the last step. We've invited them. They've come. Instruct. Don't try and instruct anyone until they answer the invitation. Until they answer the invitation to come to Jesus, any instruction you give them is useless. You can't do anything for them. Don't try and teach people the Bible who have not come to Jesus. They've got to come to Jesus first. Once they come to Jesus... Now you can go on from there. In Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We need to instruct. We need to teach. We need to make disciples. Once we get to that point of invitation, we need, this is the fun part. This is the fun part making them into disciples. They will be imperfect. They will have sin. And God is going to use you to help them come to a place. You bring people out to the meetings, follow up with them. 
Talk with them. Teach them how to keep what it is they've received. Stay with them. Are you coming to church with me today? Well, no. You know, I don't really want to. I don't have the gas. My car broke down. Tell you what, I'll pick you up. I'll come get you. And you may say, well, I'm having a hard time with gas money myself. Tell you what, you make your gas work for the kingdom, God will make sure you have plenty of gas. You make your gas work for the kingdom, God will make sure you have plenty of gas. You don't have to worry about it. You you make your time valuable to the king, he'll make sure you have plenty of time. Make it valuable. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. When you're going out there, you know, more so in this country, you will find this. I'm a white guy. I don't go out there looking for white guys to minister to. I go out there looking for people. I don't care what people they are. I go out there looking for people. Look for people. Make disciples of what? All nations. All nations. Make them of all of them. Don't you? Don't get in. Give in to fear. Now we've got you know Ebola is now in this country. Got a couple of cases about it. The devil's going to go around talking to people. You know, stay in your house. Don't do this and be. Don't be in fear. What's the worst thing that Ebola could do to you? Worst thing it could do. Worst thing it could do is kill you. Where are you going to be then? That's not so bad, is it? Why in the world are we afraid? Get on out there. Minister to them. Christians should never be afraid of death. Now, we want to tie this with one more thing. That's a connecting to receive. We're going to make connections for the kingdom. We've got to make connections to receive as well. It's the same thing, though. If we desire to receive something from God, we must make a connection. We've got to make a connection to God. Connections are not based on need. Connections are not based on works. Not based on lifestyles. They are based on faith. If you want to connect with God, it is only through faith. Have faith in God. The woman with the issue of blood made a connection. She didn't even touch Jesus. She touched the hem of his garment. But that made a connection. You may have gone to God and and touched God in prayer and made a connection there. That's fine. You may be having a hard time with that and say, well, I'm going to come to the meeting and through Jay or Tammy or someone laying hands on me, I am going to make that connection. Great. Your faith is there. Receive that thing. Our vision is never on the people. It's never on the method. It's always on God. What if uh, Jay or Tammy, what if they get out here and they tell you to do something and you don't like it? What should you do? Do it anyway. Most of the time we looked at them, we were looking at the method. The method sometimes just took people out of their shell. It took people out of their comfort zone. It took people away from the thing they were having faith in and put it so they could put it into the thing that they're supposed to have faith in. Because how we make the connection is through faith. If you want to make a connection with a certain person, don't they set the terms? If you want to make a connection with an employer, you want to have a job, don't you have to find out what are the terms? How do I get the interview? What is it that they're looking for? They set the terms, don't they? If you are young and single, and you see someone across the way, and you want to make a, a connection and have a, have a conversation with this person. If you're the one who has the desire, and the other person isn't the one who has the desire, you do, whose terms are you going by? The other person. You've got to get them interested. You already are interested. You've got to get them interested. It's, it's the same thing with, with God. What gets God to a place where he can, cut, he can touch us, he can connect with us? 
It's faith. It's faith. Don't ever come up wishing. Don't ever come up, well, I hope this works. It won't. How do you make the connection with God? Faith. Have faith. Stand up there and receive it. Stand up there and take it. Like we told you last week, when you get up there and you stand and you're receiving, don't be praying. Be receiving. You're there to receive. So when Jesus, Luke 4, 16, so he came to Nazareth when he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down in the eyes of all who were in the synagogue, were fixed on him and began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph, Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet. None of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. I read all that to tell you, just to emphasize this with you. God is not moved by need. He's not moved by a life and death situation. He's moved by faith. Get yourself in a place to believe. And the thing that you believe will be done. Put this in your outline for you. Connections are made purposely, intentionally, and the way is known. We don't just make, they're not just accidental. They're purposeful, they're intentional, and the way is known. What connections are you intending to make? What connections are out there that you are intending to make? We all have connections that we want to make. Some of our connections involve jobs. Some of them involve friends. Some of them involve dating. Some of them involve things we need from God. What kind of connections do you need? And what are you doing about it? You need to be mindful. You need to be purposeful. You need to go out every day with the intention of doing that. Have the intention. Have the intention. You know how many guys think the girls don't want to talk to them and they sit by themselves? How many girls think the guys don't want to talk to them and they sit by themselves wishing? You know how many people wish they could know about God but no one has come to them and told them anything? The Word of God tells us we have a dying, hurting world out there and we have the light. We've got a few days here before the meetings coming up, up and many days after them. You will have many opportunities to minister to people. Follow the example that Jesus did in this story. There's five things you need to do. It starts off by interaction. Who can you interact with? And just look for opportunities. Yeah, but they're going to think something about me. They're going to think I'm, I'm out there to do this or, or whatever. Let them think whatever they think. If they don't receive you, go on to someone else. That's all right. But go out there and, and do it. And just, just sometimes just practice. Father, I don't know if you're leading me to this person or not, but I'm going to practice my interactions. 
and just go up to them and start interacting with them. You're over at work, you run into somebody you never knew. Hey, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. Just start interacting with them. Practice. You can get real good at it. Don't just interact with people that you know. Go out there and find some people that you don't know. There's all kinds of things that are waiting for you out there. Ministry opportunities, friends, connections that will help you in business or for a job. There's all kinds of things going on out there. But you don't know it until you start. Every single day, you need to be thinking, what kind of interactions can I have? What kind of interactions can I have? Yesterday I was over at Lowe's again. I was getting some things that were needed. And one of the uh, guys that I know had a conversation with me. I, I needed some help. I pushed one of their help buttons. I was in a different department. Pushed one of their help buttons. And uh, two people came at the same time. One of them I knew. And uh, went out to him and said, Hey, how you doing? And so eventually the one that I knew stayed and the other one, he, he went on. And after he got all the things that I needed, all the things that I had to get, he began to talk to me about some things, some tragedies that happened in the family, some things. So I see him next time. I'll follow up with him and find out about this and uh, see how it went. He's a Christian. He's born again. I was able to talk to him as a believer and uh, encourage him in those, in those things. Wonderful man. Real, real, real good guy. I look forward to seeing him. Every time I go in there, I look around to see if he's there. He brightens my day. I hope I brighten his. Have some interactions. Look for them every single day. If you're out taking a walk, walking the dog, what kind of interactions can you have? Look for people. Something down in your spirit is going to come up. Something it might seem insignificant. They're having a hard time. I can't just go up to somebody and say that. Can you go up to somebody that you don't know and say... You're right, you don't have a husband, you had five. Can you say that? Apparently, if Jesus can say that, you can say that. Listen, because as you do, you're going to get more tied in to what the Spirit of God is telling you to speak. You're going to have more and more confidence that what you are hearing is what God is saying. Just stand up with me. This morning we have our time of communion when Jesus had his last time with his disciples before he would go to the cross. He wanted them to remember some things, and so he knew he was going to die. And so these are the things that are important. These are the things that were valuable. These are the things he says you will forget. You need to remember. Before he took the bread, before supper even started, He took the bread and said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Jesus Christ was given for our healing. We need to not only receive that for our own healing, but receive it in such a way that we help others receive their healing. We want all to come to a knowledge of him as Savior and all to come to a knowledge of him as healer. Glory be to God. And God works through his word. He works through us praying and believing. He works through other ministers who would lay hands on you, gifts of the spirit that are in them. I thank God, folks, for 
a group of people that get together here. We've had ministry moves of the Spirit. I don't instigate most of them. Brother Jolly has instigated some. My wife has instigated some. Brother Naz has instigated some. Others. And they're, they're good. I'll settle back. If God started something with Brother Naz or my wife, I don't need to jump in. If I got something to do, I'll do it. But receive from them. God uses different people to minister the things because he, he wants to get his blessings to us. One of those blessings is he wants us to walk healed. So he gave us his body and he says, do this and remember. Remember, this was done for you. His body was beaten. Took the rod, took the whips. His body was beaten to the point that it says he was unrecognizable as a man. He was beaten for you. If he went through that so that you could be healed, is it possible for us to have any sickness or disease that it is not the will of God that we be healed? Let's eat together. The same night he took the cup. This represents my blood, he said. Just poured out for you. On that cross, his blood was poured out. Shed for us. His blood bought us back. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And his blood from that point covered all sins. We drink together. Let's remember, there is nothing we add to the blood. We just receive what he did. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. We have some praise reports. I know we're long, but it's just a few more minutes. Let's just get to hear what God has done for people this week. Do we have any other praise reports this week? Praise God. Praise God. I like what Pastor said about the instigating of the Holy Spirit. But, um, you know, I don't know if instigating is the word, but it's a a pressing in, and everybody can press in and be be used by him. Amen? This morning, mine is just churning. I was thinking about what you shared with me last Sunday. I've been thinking about that all week long, you know, and I've been praying about this. I call it the popcorn effect. (laughs) <laughs> I love it because the Holy Spirit can be moving inside you and you just you just brush by somebody, you touch them, and all of a sudden it's on them, that anointing that's transferable. And, um, you know, I just can't go into these meetings coming up this week not being excited. How many of you are excited? No, let me say that again. How many of you are excited? Amen. You know what? You know what? Let me just share with you. That was the excitement of my husband. When I say when I say to him, "Honey, this just happened," he goes, "That's great." That's great. Good. You know, and this is excitement for him. Then you have me on High the level. other hand. High level. <laughs> I get excited. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm excited about what's going to happen. Why? Because we've had a taste already. Right? We've had a taste of what God wants to do through these ministers. How many of you have invited somebody to come this week? Oh, we got work to do. We got work to do. I sent out over 200 invitations. I've been on the phone. I've invited six people to come. I'm planning to take two of them with me up to, uh, it's actually Catasauqua, but I've been saying up to Reading, Allentown area already. I'm, I'm planning to go this week. They're, they're going to be ministering. I was wrong on the dates on this. They are ministering tonight, well, this morning, tonight, through Wednesday up there. So if you want to go and, and be in any of their meetings, they're in Catasauqua at Revolution Church. 
Okay, um, the pastor is uh, Mike, I'm sorry, Jim, last name is McIver, M-C-I-V-E-R. So get up there and get in on some of the meetings if you can. It starts at 7.30. And then they'll be here with us Thursday night. But um, invite people. Invite people. You know what was stirring in my heart when pastor was talking about these, because you know, we talk about stuff and then sometimes he'll preach on it. Well, what I kept feeling in my spirit is when you have, when you go to talk to people, about something. Um, like he was saying, if it's valuable to you, they know it. If it's real to you, they know it. There's just a sense. Come on, we're spirit beings. We sense things in our spirit. A lot of times things don't have to be verbalized, but it's just a sensing. So if they know that a life without Jesus is just not worth living in your mind, they're going to know it. They're going to see it. So what is the Jesus that you're imparting to people on a daily basis. When they see situations come up in your life, what Jesus do you present to them? On the workplace, what Jesus do you present to them? A Jesus that can't take care of my financial problem? A Jesus that doesn't give me sweet, peaceful sleep? You know, what kind of Jesus are we presenting? Think about that. Think about your daily testimony, because ladies, that's what we're teaching on next, next month. What is your testimony? It's, it's incredible. He's been pouring so much into me already. The egg pays. Ooh, I'm going to dance on this one. Hallelujah. They're closing on their house this week in Quakertown. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're closing this week on 1130 Bridal Path Drive in Quakertown. Thank God for Sister Connie who shared her knowledge of short sales to help us when we asked for it. And amen. The rate went from... 3.875 down to 3.625. And how many of you know that's a big difference over the life of a loan? Amen. Praise God for his favor, too. Um, Sharon says, I thank God for putting certain aspects of my life in perspective and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He's so faithful. Um, this one we all took part in, which is wonderful. Um, Candy's friend at, at the Acme, Kathy, if I'm not mistaken, she's the one that came here a couple times. Is not Kathy? Who's the lady that came with you one time? Uh, Pam. Yeah, Pam. Pam. I'm sorry. Well, we prayed for this lady's father. He had cancer behind his ear that had gone down into his stomach, but he is now cancer-free. Praise God. That's all gone. And Phyllis gave one. She says her knee is healed. Hallelujah. Came in here with pain, and now it's gone. Amen. Amen. And anybody else? Prayer requests? Praise reports? Nothing. 